Well, this morning I wanted to just uh, look at another topic of faith. We've been kind of looking at that for uh, a few Sundays this year. And, you know, the sense I get is that God is desiring to give us fresh faith for this year. He has a plan and a purpose for us, and we've heard some things in the prophetic, and we want to hold on to that and receive it and believe it and walk in it because He wants to do new things, and ultimately, He wants to lead us into a new season. He wants to lead us on. You know, something that was really quickened to me um, that we can relate to this concept of faith was something that, that was proclaimed whenever Israel would move their camp in the wilderness. And so when they were going on, and of course they did that when the glory cloud was moving. They knew when the glory cloud's moving, we move with it. We're going on. And, and it's something that was proclaimed in Numbers 10, verse 35. And of course, the ark followed the glory cloud. But it says, whenever the ark set out, that Moses said, rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered and let those who hate you flee before you. Rise up, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. And, you know, there's that sense that when we're moving on with God, we're really responding to, to the trumpet call because, you know, Moses would tell the camp we're moving on and the trumpets would, would sound and the and the Everyone would pack their tents and, you know, the Levites would pack up the tabernacle and they would move on because the glory cloud was moving on. And so, and the cry was, rise up, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Now, there is a reality for those who are moving on in God and following the glory cloud is that we face enemies, right? There's spiritual enemies, um, and, and ultimately, that enemy just is really seeking one thing, to oppose God moving, to oppose the moving on of God and his purposes in the earth and the people of God to follow God and those purposes and, and be involved in fulfilling the will of God on earth as, it, as it's done in heaven. But the cry was, rise up, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Oh, I, I long to see that. For God to rise up and his enemies to be scattered. But that is a part of the fight, isn't it? The rising up <laughs> and the following on because that's when there's opposition. That's when the enemy comes. And, you know, I think the enemy is quite satisfied when God's people sit, stay still. Right? When, they, when they don't, follow the glory cloud, uh, and especially when the enemies go backwards, or when, when his people go backwards, right? But he's vehemently opposed to the moving of God and God's people flowing and following the glory cloud for his people rising up to follow him, you know, and that's when there's opposition. You know, one, one thing, I guess, that can be kind of encouraging to us that we can at least take hold of, you know, when we're facing the opposition and when it gets bad, we got to know we're doing something right. <laughs> you know, we must be, we must be following the glory cloud in some way because he's, he's not happy. He's, he's, he's fighting. He's opposing us because we're walking in the way. And so in one sense, that just means, hey, we're doing something right. We can take courage in that.
But this, you know, this resistance that the enemy brings, um, you know, we can see this in the story of Israel uh, being released from Egypt. And of course, we know how, right, it was plague after plague and Pharaoh and his people kept resisting the people of God being let go, you know, to get out and to, uh, you know, go into the, into the wilderness and onto the promised land. Of course, that plague after plague was, you know, lice, flies, hail, locusts, thick darkness. And, you know, all, all of those plagues came upon them till ultimately it was the judgment upon the firstborn. Finally, they cracked. Right? They said, it's enough. And they relented. They allowed Israel to go with great spoil. Um, but, you know, there, there's something in that story that reveals the nature of our spiritual enemy. Um, and those they influence, it's, it's as if something drives them to oppose the moving of God. And there's something we can read in Exodus 14. You know, after everything that happened to Egypt and their nation was virtually destroyed, all their crops failed, you know, animals, their firstborns of both, you know, children and animals died. And look what happens. Exodus 14.5 says it was told the king of Egypt that the people had, they had finally fled, they left. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people and said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel to go from serving us. So they made ready his chariot and took his people with them. What were we thinking? Why did we let them go? And it's like all the, they, somehow they can put aside all the devastation and destruction and they said, Oh, there's just something in us. We can't let them go. We can't let this stand. Let's pursue them and stop them. You know, and they were compelled to pursue and oppose the moving on of the people of God. And, and this tells us something. If we want to move on, we will face opposition, right? If we want to follow the glory cloud, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, we can expect opposition challenges, things happening without like hardships and opposition. You know, even though the, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it, as it says in Proverbs, there's still some tr fiery trials <laughs> that try our faith that we pass through. And, and, and of course, what's the, what's the Lord doing? He's just letting the, that opposition of the enemy try us and refine us so that we come out as gold. But there's something in the enemy that that just wants to oppose. And so there's things without, but there's also things within. There's things in our heart and our in our minds and our flesh that the enemy tries to get at and use to oppose us and to, to get us to reconsider our pathway. Do you really want to, is it worth it? Do you really want to do that? Is it worth enduring these things? And now, of course, for many in that generation in Israel, they did begin to reconsider things, right? When they saw that the armies of Pharaoh pursuing them, here's what they said to Moses in Exodus 14, 11. They said, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt so with us to bring us out of Egypt? Uh, is, not, is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we could serve, just serve the Egyptians? It would be better for us to serve the Egyptians to die here in the wilderness because you know, they saw the enemy coming. 
And so here they are thinking, after all that the Lord's done and the power and the miracles, they're thinking that, well, maybe bondage would be better. And of course, they're forgetting, it says, the rigor that they served in Egypt, the suffering. All they could think of was like those good things. Like, I mean, for them, it was just the food, right? Oh, the food we had. You know, oh, the pleasant things we experienced. And somehow they, you know, forgot all the bad. They, you know, and so that generation in Israel, they were never able to get their eyes off Egypt. And that, that were always drawn back from the, you know, what was in the past. But there was a new generation that was raised up. And what's different is they didn't have their eyes behind them. They had their eyes before them, in front of them. They wanted the promise. They were able to enter into the land. And so spiritually, this generation represents those who have been set free from Egypt or from looking back, just looking back. And, you know, that has to be our cry. Lord, make me that generation of that generation that will just look forward to what you have for us now, today and tomorrow, and what you want to bring us into. And Lord, turn my eyes off of anything else, any other way of thinking, so that my eyes can be upon you. You know, Israel's story is also really instructive. Right? They are our example, an example for us as we read in the New Testament. But it's also how we can get to that place of faith. Because here they are, they're facing the, the Red Sea in front of them, the Egyptians behind them. They began to doubt and to question and to fear. But then here's what Moses said. Moses was trying to impart something into their hearts. But he said this in Exodus 14, 13. He said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Boy, there's a lot of good thoughts in that, that passage. But there's two things I, I want to just bring out as it relates to this concept, this topic of faith. And the first is that faith at its essential, and we've already mentioned this in some of the previous messages, but faith is based on what we don't see. Right? In fact, it's even based on what doesn't exist at that moment. God's asking us to believe about for something that's invisible, and does not yet exist. And that's not easy for us mere mortals who are accustomed to seeing and feeling and touching. But it, it kind of reminds me of what Paul said in, in the very last phrase, very last line of, of Romans 4.17. He said, God is the one who calls those things which be not as though they were and as though they are. And so God is declaring, and what he declares in our life, it doesn't exist yet. In fact, if we just look in the natural, it's impossible. You know, God was asking Abraham to trust and believe for something that, you know, a son that did not exist and was impossible to bring forth. But when he allowed faith 
to arise in his heart. Oh, the impossible came forth. And so what God declares often, we don't see it and it doesn't even exist. But God is calling for a change of focus to look to what God is going to do. And to orient our lives in that direction, in that way. And so there's, there's that concept of faith for what we can't see and what is not even there, what doesn't exist. But yet if we allow faith to arise, that's what causes it to come into existence. You know, someone described the difference between human faith and heavenly faith. Uh, you know, we all have, you could say in, a, in concept, we all have human faith, you know, in the sense we believe certain things, but we believe it because we can see it. Right? So we all, you know, we drive cars and we see our car, we can feel it, touch it, and so forth, and we get into it. We don't understand the full, at least the full way, how it works. You know, I don't really understand everything about engines. I know they have pistons and rods and they go up and down and there's combustion in there. But how exactly that works, if you asked me to put one together, I'd, I'd be lost. But I have faith. When I get in and turn that key, it's going to start up. I have faith I can drive and the wheels are going to stay on and, you know, it'll keep going. It won't die on me. At least I, I hope so, as long as I've done good maintaining it. But, you know, I, I have a measure of faith in that. But it's because I, I know it. I see it. I, I can touch it. I, it's tangible. Or maybe another example is a, a chair, right? We all sit in chairs sometimes without thinking. But how many of us have sat in a chair without looking at it first? If you do it once and you make a mistake, you don't do it again. It's like, wait, is that chair there? I want to feel it. I want to make sure. I'm going to sit down and ease myself into it. But it's hard because faith in the kingdom of God is like asking us to sit in a chair and we don't know if it's there or not. <laughs> We're just trusting God. We're believing His Word. You know, we can't see it or touch it or smell it or taste it, but we can develop a new sense that gives us that confidence, a sense in our spirit, a sensitivity to faith as God places it in our lives. And then we can place ourselves upon that firm foundation of faith. You know, especially, you know, of course, we're, we're looking at faith for God to move, right? And we're praying for, for faith, for revival, and for the pouring out of spirit of his spirit. You know, we've been praying for revival and, uh, you know, we've read about how God has moved uh, in scripture. We've heard about him moving in mighty ways, you know, in the past. And, um, you know, I was born in a generation where it can't, where it's like I went to Bible school after revival. And I grew up hearing stories about revival. Uh, you know, and I heard stories about revival in, in Bible school. And, you know, many of you or some of you experienced that, you know, and, and heard story, experienced it firsthand or in revival meetings and you saw the power of God going. I was born just too late. And so here I am, not having that personal experience, that, that taste and smell and see and so forth. Well, we've had some pretty good experiences at camp, like a little tastes of it. But yet, 
you know, what is that connection point? It, you know, we haven't, how can we become gripped with something we haven't seen and haven't experienced so that we can pray and believe for it? It's heavenly faith. It doesn't matter if we've experienced revival. God gives us faith. And we allow that faith to be planted and to arise up within us. That is what allows the one who calls those things, which right now are not as though they were, is faith arising. You know, trusting, believing, walking in that pathway as if he will bring it to pass. And we believe and we orient our lives to walk in his way of faith. Now, it is something totally divine and it's God. It's not something we can produce. We don't start, you know, proclaiming revival meetings. We're going to have a revival meeting next Sunday night because, hey, well, we have faith. Well, God better be speaking that too. <laughs> but faith, it must come from heaven and it must enter our heart, even though we don't see it, we don't feel it, but we have faith. And it's a new sense that, that God wants us to have and to develop. Now, the second thing we can understand from this situation where God is, you know, is saying Israel was about to experience something very special, it's a very practical aspect of allowing, allowing faith to arise in our hearts. Right? Because what did the Lord command Israel to do through Moses? Stand still and see the salvation of God what God was about to do. And so for faith to operate in us, there's a, a sense that there has to be a ceasing on our part. Well, in the part of us that gets in the way of faith, right? And maybe in our natural thinking, our natural responses, the part of us that reacts and say, are you sure I should believe for that? You know, are you really sure that that's what God wants to do? Or I don't know if I can flow with that or boy that that's kind of hard way to walk in it's hard to receive you know we can relate to this this to the disciples how jesus he had to train them to walk in the way of faith to think in a new way to stop them thinking in natural ways and to open up their hearts and to develop eyes of faith to see what what god wanted to do in his kingdom it took a while it took many instances right for that oh ye of little faith you know, haven't you believed yet? And he had to train them to open their spiritual eyes. And of course, the big one was Matthew 8. Um, after Jesus finished ministering to the multitudes, they crossed the Sea of Galilee in the boat. And Jesus was a little tired, so he took a nap in the back of the boat. And a great storm arose. And, you know, it was pretty big because those seasoned fishermen thought it was over. It's the end. And so they woke Jesus up. You know, and, and uh, this is what we can read of this account in Matthew 8, 25. It says, that disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We are about to die. We're perishing. And he, then Jesus, he arose, he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And they marveled saying, what manner of man in this? Oh, I skipped a verse, didn't I? He said unto them, why are you fearful? Oh, ye have little faith. And he arose and rebuked the, the winds and the sea in great calm. And they marveled, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? 
And so they went through the situations and, and many others like it, right? And God was teaching them of the way of responding in faith, of walking in faith. And they had to quit their own way of thinking, their old way of responding, but something began to rise up in their hearts and they were able to start looking at situations in a different way. They didn't fully understand. They don't think they fully understood everything Jesus was saying and the timing of things, but they knew they were walking in the right way of faith. And I think we can see how this was demonstrated in John chapter 6. Right? And this took place about two and a half years um, into Christ's ministry. So, you know, not, not much left. And so there's a progression. He began, and this is when Jesus began to teach of the deeper truths of feeding on him, not just the loaves of fishes, but on the, as the bread of life. And many people didn't understand what he was saying, including his disciples. Right? They didn't fully understand. But a change had taken place. They weren't hung up on the natural as much and what they saw with their eyes and understood with their natural minds and they could believe with a heart of faith. But when many disciples stopped following Jesus, right, because of the hard things they were hearing, he turned to the 11 disciples and we have Peter's famous response in John 6, 68. He said, when Simon Peter answered him, he said, Lord, to whom will we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. And we believe and know that you are the Christ and the Son of the living God. I know we looked at this earlier in, our, in, in other messages, but the, what I wanted to bring out is how these disciples, they had a change of mindset. Faith had arisen. And because of that, doubt and fear could be scattered. They didn't understand everything. In fact, I'm pretty sure they didn't. Right? You know, They didn't fully comprehend what he was saying. But they knew he was leading them in the way of life, and they were, were willing to follow him. Now, where else can we go? They knew they were walking in the way of life, and you know something happened in their hearts. It's like that little chorus says, let faith arise and doubt and fear be scattered. And so they were trusting and believing that God would reveal to, the way to them more clearly as they followed him in the way of life. You know, in a sense, I, I think we can equate this with the church today. You know, I believe we're on a precipice, a change of season that is about to take place, but God is looking for those who can be involved in that. He's looking for laborers who will be prepared and ready to take part in the great harvest as he pours out his spirit upon the church and the earth. But, you know, I think there has to be a change of mindset. I believe God wants to bring us to a new level of faith, for faith to rise, to bring us into this new season. Sometimes it, it is very hard. I mean, I will admit, thinking about a different season for us to be in as a, as a church, as a fellowship, you know, for faith to arise, for God to move in powerful ways, we have to think differently. And it's hard because we, you know, we recognize God has allowed the season, us to go through the seasons we've been in for the past however long. Um, you know, where we, we haven't sensed God moving. We've sensed dryness or little activity, especially when it concerns the supernatural. You know, maybe once in a while we hear how someone 
was prayed for and they were healed. And we said, praise God. Wow. A miracle took place. Oh, that's amazing. And it, you know, it, it builds up your faith, but yet we recognize we're going through a, a dry season, you know, not just as a fellowship, but as a church. But, you know, just as it was ordained that in the very first miracle that Christ performed, the wine would run out, right? At the very beginning, right, of his ministry, he performed a miracle where the wine had run out. The cups were empty. It was dry. But then it, it, moved, it prepared the way for the new wine to come, the best wine. And I firmly believe that the best is yet to come of what God is going to do in his church. Now, there's a lot more we could get into in this. You know, we could talk about the fight of faith, right? Because if there's opposition, then there's a fight. There's a battle, um, you know, to walk in that. And of course, we have to pass the test of Adam and Eve that they, they didn't pass, right? Because the, in, the, in the garden was that cunning old serpent. And he said, did, did God really say? That's, that's one of the biggest enemies of faith. Did God really say? You can't eat that delicious, yummy fruit that's just hanging right there. Did he really say that? But the, the way of faith is declaring, you know, even though we still hadn't see it, seen it with our eyes, yes, he did say. He did say. This is the way he wants us to walk in. That is the faith he wants to arise within our hearts. Even though we don't fully understand how it's going to take place or the timing but we're walking in that because it is the way of life. Now, I just want to consider one last thought here on, on faith and how faith can arise within our hearts and cause doubt and fear to be scattered. And that is the need to create an atmosphere for faith. To create an atmosphere for faith. And, and I was quickened by a prophecy during a prayer meeting when we were up teaching at ZMI and it really stayed with me. And basically, the, the prophecy was, we must create an atmosphere of faith, and that is created through thanksgiving and praise. And so we're going to face situations that test us, um, where we're waiting for God's timing. And of course, sometimes we're like, well, Lord, I'm standing still. When do I see that salvation? When is that going to come along my way? Yeah. And... Of course, the answer we're looking for is for faith to arise and to perform that miracle. But, you know, for faith to come in and for faith to arise, there has to be an atmosphere. And that atmosphere is thanks to practice thanksgiving and rejoicing and praise. And, you know, there's the practical thought of that, right, is that we do those things, but it's also in our response, as, you know, what's our response to a situation? That determines the atmosphere for how well faith will arise and operate in our lives. You know, we may be in the situation of Israel where the enemy is pursuing us and looks like he is about to close in. Or maybe we're looking around with our natural eyes uh, like the prophet Habakkuk. What did Habakkuk see with his natural eyes? It wasn't too encouraging, was it? Right? He, 
He looked around and he saw the fig tree wasn't producing, the olive trees were failing, the, there wasn't much of a harvest in the fields, you know, with the wheat or the barley. Um, he looked in the stalls and the animals weren't reproducing and they were kind of empty stalls. And it says, and yet I will rejoice. And not just that, he believed, he said, he will make me walk on my high places. Yet I will rejoice. You see, when he practiced that response, and we, when he made that a choice, this is how I'm going to respond, that's when faith arises and doubt and fear is scattered. You know, the, that first generation in Israel, they always had problems in that area. In fact, the Lord once uh, spoke to Sarah about this situation with Israel. It was in the prophetic and, you know, it was the fact that Israel, they rejoiced greatly after they crossed the Red Sea, right? They, weren't they, they were singing songs and praising the Lord, you know, after the Red Sea was parted and the chariots of Pharaoh were washed away, I'd, I'd rejoice too. But, you know, as, as they saw that, or as Sarah was receiving this word, the Lord spoke and, and the Lord said, how much more glorious would it have been if before they crossed over, instead of giving in and responding in doubt and fear, doubt and despair, they had worshiped and praised me? How much more glorious. You see, in the here and now, in our life, when we, can't, when, when we see certain things with our eyes, we have an opportunity for glory, an opportunity for greater glory but it's it's as we respond you know it's that and we're in, we're in an experience and of not seeing what we're hoping for and what we're believing for instead we see the opposite right we see the the opposition we see the what what's standing in front of us we see how we need to change and you know how much we need to do and so forth but it's also an opportunity to thank the lord and give praise to him because he is the one who calls a thing when it is not as though it is. When faith arises, when we create that atmosphere for faith in our lives, that's when that which is, is not, it doesn't even exist yet, oh, it can come because faith is arising. And so I'll leave this thought with us this morning is that you know, I believe God wants to give us faith. He wants faith to arise for a change of season. To bring something new into our lives and into our church and fellowship, into our midst. And, but to do that, let's also purpose to take our eyes off of what we see, you know, of opposition or whatever, you know, we're seeing that is not aligning with faith or, or maybe what we don't see, right? The lack. And let's look to heaven. That might involve quieting ourselves, right? Quieting those things and those thoughts that arise up that, you know, thoughts and feelings and natural responses, but then choosing to rejoice, to thank God, because we believe that he's going to do marvelous things and he'll do that in our midst. Mm -hmm. And he will cause faith to arise and doubt and fear to be scattered. Amen. Father, we thank you.
Thank you for your plan, for your purposes. Thank you for how you want to work in the earth, for how you, you have a plan for the nations. You have a plan for our fellowship, for our church, and each of our lives. And Lord, we pray and we're asking, Lord, that you would cause faith to arise in our hearts. Lord, and we just pray that you would give us those eyes of faith to look to you. Help us to quiet ourselves, Lord. Help us to, Lord, to, to not look at what we see in the natural. Oh, but give us eyes of faith to look to you, to what you want to do. And Lord, we just pray, give us that rejoicing spirit. Lord, cause, Lord, that thankful spirit to arise up in us, we ask, oh God, and that we would practice that, Lord, in our responses, in our activities, Lord, in our thoughts, in our words. Oh Lord, we want an atmosphere in our lives that will cause faith to rise up. Oh, do that work within us, we pray. We just look to you for it. We thank you for it. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Amen. And just in, in closing, I thought it'd be good when we're talking about an atmosphere of thanksgiving and praise, let's, let's practice that. But let's, let's do that with a purpose. Lord, I believe you want to do wonderful things in my life, in our midst, would you do that? And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna thank you and I'm gonna praise you before it takes place because that is glorious. Amen?